The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports. They're incredible. I mean, it's just not usually in awe of teams that much, but I just can't help being in awe of Barcelona Femini. Like, they're just incredible. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Rugby on Off the Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. We are turning to rugby, a case of the seven-year itch for Eddie Jones and England. He has been relieved of his duties. We are nine months out from a World Cup. Steve Borthwick at Leicester, of course, for the time being, very much the favourite to replace Jones. But for now, the forwards coach, Richard Cockrell, will oversee things on an interim basis. Very happy to say Chris Jones, the BBC's rugby union correspondent, is with us on the line. Good evening again. Hi there, Joe. How's it going? Good to be back. Good. We're talking a little too often uh, for the liking of the Welsh and English rugby unions of late. So from PIVAC to Gatland yesterday and then Eddie Jones today. I mean, we speculated, Chris, across uh, November. So uh, it's not a shock shock, but equally, it's hard to remember 24 hours like it. Yeah, it's been absolutely crazy the last 24, 48 hours when you think of the turmoil, the uprooting, the sort of shifting landscape in the coaching uh, the coaching world, you know, to have uh, Wayne Pivak and Eddie Jones both going, Warren Gatland in, we still wait for for confirmation about Steve Borthwick and if and when, probably more a case of when than if he, he replaces Eddie Jones on a long-term basis. But it's inconceivable to think a few weeks ago or even a few months ago that we'd find ourselves in this position. But here we are. And for two coaches, Pivak and Eddie Jones, who spoke so much about planning for a World Cup, they're not even going to get there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's it's really been a huge couple of days. This review committee, Ian McGeekin, Phil de Glanville, Jonathan Webb. Just a few weeks ago, Clive Woodward was railing against these anonymous, toothless committees that the RFU were relying on. So clearly in McGeegan, de Glanville and Webb, uh, we didn't have a toothless or, as it turned out, uh, courtesy of the Mail at the weekend, an anonymous review committee either. What do we know about their review and how they undertook their review and who they spoke to? Yeah, at this stage, we don't know much. And even those three names, I know they were they were put out in the mail, but I've also heard uh, other sources say that Sri McGeekin wasn't on the panel. So it's quite a confusing picture. Webb and de Glanville are involved in the RFU anyway. Um, they've been involved in the RFU board. And then I'm sure that Bill Sweeney, well, I know that Bill Sweeney and Conor O'Shea also had a role um, around that review process. And Conor O'Shea was responsible for um, seeking a lot of feedback from some of the England players. He did that in the, the immediate aftermath of the South Africa game. And I think Bill Sweeney's uh, the, key, the key figure really in all this. You know, as the chief executive, he is Eddie Jones's line manager. He's the one who's who's put his neck on the line over the past couple of years to defend Eddie Jones. He was the one who gave him the contract extension in 2020, when in hindsight, you know, four years of Eddie Jones, maybe that was the time to to shake hands and say thank you very much. You'd got England back to the top table, the World Cup final after the lows of, of 2015. And when you give someone a four-year contract, Joe, I think you've got to realise a lot of rugby. It's 50 test matches or so. And sometimes I think four years because of the cycle gets kind of fairly flippantly talked about but it's a lot of rugby it's a lot of test matches and it's a lot of a commitment and as we've seen Eddie Jones hasn't been able to fulfill the the second part of it but I think the mood music was around review panel or no review panel what you were hearing in the immediate aftermath of South Africa the boost from the Twickenham crowd it all lended to an atmosphere around Twickenham that was very different to the one after the poor Six Nations 
this year or last year when Eddie Jones was ultimately backed. So over the course of the last 10 days, it has felt as if Eddie Jones was in trouble. Yes, and I had read that the booze at Twickenham had extended to sluggish ticket sales for the Six Nations. To what extent that played into the decision, I don't know. Uh, There's pure speculation on my part, so maybe you're on uh, sure footing. You mentioned that maybe some of the players had been consulted. Uh, do we have any idea how many players? Uh, presumably, the word back wasn't great, but generally we hear that, you know, well, if you're in that first 15, you tend to quite like the coach. Beyond that, yeah. you don't tend to like the coach. So who knows what feedback they receive from the players? Yeah, and this is the thing, you know, you'd hope that the feedback was was kind of quite quite diverse, quite far and wide, not just the starting 15, not just long-standing, um, you know, regulars under Jones, but maybe players who've come in and out of camp, those that have been given a cap by Jones, then cast off, which is, is quite a few players. And, you know, I've had varying testimonies from players, both publicly and privately. I think there's a lot of respect for Eddie Jones, as you would, you would, you would expect. A lot of players feel indebted to him for the, the 2016 Grand Slam, the run to the final in 2019. But I also got a feeling, speaking to a few players, that maybe it had run its course as well. And perhaps that was um, an opinion that did did come through also through the review process. But goodness me, there would have been some backing from Eddie Jones from these players because they they would have trusted him. They would have trusted this vision. Um, the likes of Ellis Genge and Owen Farrell, you'd imagine, would have been committed behind this sort of Project 2023. And I think this is, Joe, where analysing the whole Eddie Jones era is quite tricky There's such a range of emotions involved. And I think Eddie Jones really splits the room. There will be some that look at the win ratio, the Grand Slam, the Six Nations titles, the semi-final against the All Blacks. Um, There will be others that go, well, yes, 73% win ratio is pretty good, but they hardly ever played the All Blacks. They had three rotten Six Nations, big churn of staff, lost any contact with the club game. And there are plenty of issues that he leaves in his wake. So I think the whole of this seven year Eddie Jones era I think will be viewed in very different ways by very different people Mm. That's a very fair breakdown of the two arguments When you say lost connection with the club game you might expand on that part Only in the sense that I don't think Eddie Jones ever really felt he needed the club game Of course he respected the club game because the club game was providing him with his players but I'm not sure how harmonious the relationship was between Eddie Jones and the directors of rugby not to say there was open animosity that wasn't the case but I don't think Eddie Jones necessarily feels that he needs to take too much counsel from external sources when he's analyzing a player he'd go to a game he'd sit by himself and I think he feels that was what he would need his eyes they didn't bring them into camp sometimes they stuck sometimes they didn't sometimes they were back at their clubs in a matter of weeks and a matter of caps Um, and when you look at the backroom staff Joe look at the current makeup of the England coaching team you know, there's Matt Proudford from South Africa, Richard Cockrell, who had left Edinburgh. You had Anthony Seabold, who was from the NRL. Brett Hodgson's going to come in. Well, we expect him to come in still from Hull FC. It's all a bit of a mismatch of coaches from all around the world, from different codes of the game, from different leagues. There doesn't seem to be this kind of symbiotic relationship between the Premiership and the RFU in England, where they go, right, we need a defence coach. Let's look at Wasp, Bath, London Irish, Leicester, Gloucester Harlequins, and choose the best one. Eddie Jones didn't really go into the club game to to find his coaches after his first set of recruitment. And I don't think he necessarily trusted club form either when it came to picking a player. For him, it was what he saw in camp. So I think the next coach, if it is to to be Steve Borthwick, can make some major steps forward just by engaging all of that intellectual property that exists across English club rugby. Matt Gitto, for instance, took to Twitter to describe this as, quote, 
the silliest thing they could do to the English rugby team. Big mistake, end quote. Mm. And there is now a degree of chaos hanging over English rugby nine months out from a World Cup. Gatlin's assumption of the Welsh job is quite specific. He will almost certainly hit the ground running. There is a degree of familiarity. There is his experience. A whole host of reasons as to why the Welsh Union felt a year out, even though it's tight, this might just do the trick. And they were more desperate, perhaps. Mm. For England, uh, let's say it's Borthwick. Let's, let's operate in that assumption for a moment. His first head coach role at test level, I know he has a degree of familiarity with the camp and, and was, was mm. talked about. And we, we can expand on that as maybe the glue behind the scenes for a time. But still, his first head coach role in less than ideal circumstances even Andy Farrell doing such great things, he took about a year to to find his feet. There is, I, I, re, I mean, uh, behind the scenes, the RFU, if they're sitting around the table and saying to each other, well, what do you think? All of them, to a man or woman, will be saying, who knows? Fingers crossed, everyone, mm. here we go. Yeah, and, and that's where this is becomes such a big call because it's not just now there's going to be a few days of turbulence and speculation and, you know, trying to get people out of contracts. But that could could spill into the Six Nations and England could have a transition or a slightly transient coaching team in the Six Nations in World Cup year. So it, it's, a, it's a seismic call by the RFU because they're not just getting rid of Eddie Jones, they need to also build a new coaching team. And we touched upon the assistant coaches. How many of those would Steve Borthwick want to inherit and how many would he want to bring from Leicester, for example? So that's where it'd be nice to get a bit more from the RFU. I'm sure we will in the coming days because obviously they're their patience has snapped and it's it's a surprise that they've gone from March saying to the to, to everyone, oh, there's nothing to see here. We back Eddie Jones. A matter of months later, the whole Project 2023 has been 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 thrown in the bin from an Eddie Jones point of view. So, yeah, like the, the whole succession planning around the next coach, Ian Ritchie, the former chief exec, flagged this in 2015 and says, got to get the succession planning right. Then Steve Brown came in, got to get it right. Nigel Melvin took over for a bit. Got to get it right. Bill Sweeney, got to get it right. And we're still in this slightly chaotic place when it comes to England with the succession planning, even though it was flagged by Ian Ritchie back in 2015. And obviously that turbulence in the boardroom and the changeover of chief exec hasn't helped that in the slightest. So, yeah, it's a it's a funny old picture. It might be that they get Borthwick in. They go, look, he's our long-term plan. and We just got him a little bit earlier. And when it comes to that kind of, you know, that, that whole issue of whether Eddie Jones should have been able to finish his regime there'll be a lot of people saying one more year what's the harm he does well in world cups yeah on the other hand it feels almost a bit of a miracle he got to seven years given the chaos and the turbulence and the ups and downs of the whole period since 2015 or the end of 2015 i suppose the or if you had been well versed in the chaos that comes with jones and the baggage that comes with jones it would be so interesting to know chris when their patience snapped what was the final straw mm. like when they were saying those things to you in march and beyond were they having worries then or has this been very much a November issue? I, I dare say we may find out or we may never. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, you, you might not get the the, the, the big wigs of Twickenham being really open about when it exactly happened. I know that they were, they were, the pa- patience was running thin if they'd lost that series in, in, in Australia. I think if England had lost in the series in Australia, so not got that immediate bounce back from the World Cup, uh, from the poor Six Nations, I think if they'd lost that series, then they could have maybe made a change. But, but yeah, it has been quite a significant um, shift in approach, you know, back, 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 back. Oh, suddenly he's gone. But I just think that South Africa game, 
the apathy of the Twickenham crowd. You mentioned ticket sales. I couldn't shift tickets for the autumn, which is amazing. You know, I had a few mates who would come to me and say, I've got two tickets. Can you ask your mates? And you put them on a WhatsApp group and you wouldn't get much back. I know that you know people have families and everything. It's not always easy to go along. But when it's 150 quid ahead and yeah. all that stuff, it it's not quite the the sell it used to be to go to Twickenham. So that, that may have spooked the RFU. The booze may have spooked the RFU. But yeah, it, it's certainly interesting how it, it suddenly the mood changed in really uh, a matter of weeks and um mm. yeah it's left england in a position where they are now and they've got to hope they can land their man in steve borthwick if it is to be him get a backroom team together and really hope they get that kind of new energy and that new boost and um and they sort of go bouncing into the six nations and world cup year because as we've seen when eddie jones came in a new coach can make an immediate difference So everything is pointing towards Steve Bortwick then, yeah? I I mean, there's been contact with Bortwick, RFU and Leicester, RFU and Bortwick. Um, I was convinced all along that he was the long-term successor to Eddie Jones and they would have tried to immerse him into the coaching team in the summer ahead of the World Cup. But then Bill Sweeney, the RFU boss, came out with a curious comment that the guy doesn't have to be English. They could be foreign, which got everyone's minds racing about Ronan O'Gara and Scott Robertson, who were also spoken to by the RFU. But I take your point that Borthwick doesn't have head coach international experience. But on the flip side, England have got enough resources not to have to cherry pick coaches from all around the world you know people have done head coach jobs before surely they've got to put some faith in the system some faith in faith in the club game and go right Steve Borthwick's worked as an assistant he's won a title with Leicester he fits I'd love to have seen someone like Mark McCall be in the conversation or or Rob Baxter but it doesn't seem to be that either they wanted or that they were approached but I think Borthwick does tick a number of boxes for um for for being the England head coach and it does seem to be a reward for someone who has you know worked his way through his, his coaching credentials yes absolutely as there should be um and if we were having a conversation in November sure. 2023 versus 22 then uh, we'd have no issue whatsoever so on Borthwick uh, 43 years of age Retired in 2014 with 57 England caps. Always talked about as a natural leader, second row, big presence. Uh, Even latter day at Saracens had that on-field coach quality and then was with Jones, Eddie Jones, as part of the Japan setup and went with him to England and had four years there and and left after the World Cup. Obviously, that that real golden period for a lot of the Jones uh, tenure before going to Leicester, where he is now. Uh, talked about as a glue behind the scenes character certainly from the outside total opposite to Eddie Jones I mean you'll be writing fewer words of his quotes than Eddie (laughs) Jones quotes 100% I think um, coach you know that Steve Borthwick's learned a lot from Eddie Jones uh, maybe in terms of coaching philosophy tactically or whatever I've seen people say oh it's like an Eddie Jones he is chalk and cheat I mean I could not stress how different those two people are huh. you know eddie jones has is these myriad of, of of character um quirks and flaws and you could spend hours you know psychoanalyzing eddie jones he's a psychologist dream steve borthwick what you see is what you get he's unimpeachable he's straight as an arrow anyone who's worked with Ed, uh, with steve borthwick speaks so highly of his integrity of his loyalty Something that really struck me, we had uh, Justin Marshall, the great former All Black, on one of our shows ages ago. And I think someone asked him a question, oh, what's Steve Borthwick like? He was being captained by Borthwick at Saracens because Borthwick has a reputation in the media of being, you know, quite a straight bat. And Marshall said, 
he's the best captain I've ever had. And that includes all the All Blacks captains he's had. And you thought, wow, there's something about this guy. We don't always see it from the outside because he is a closed book and does his business behind closed doors. But once you're in a Steve Borthwick environment, I think you absolutely revel in it. So he is not going to give us the, the back pages. He's not going to give us the headlines. He's not going to be um, regaling us with stories on podcasts, but he will bring a completely different environment to the England team. And maybe after seven years of Eddie Jones, it'll be a welcome change. Okay, so somebody of substance. Because generally, if, if those characters are not courting a public profile, which, you know, it doesn't hurt doesn't hurt whatsoever mm. then they um have to get jobs like the english job through through substance alone and, and you can't fake that so that's that's promising for sure yeah that this is the thing that there, there will there, there'll definitely be a if it is to be steve borthwick and i still kind of want to leave a caveat in case the rfe throw a massive curveball and manage to to, to to get razor robertson um up from christchurch but no there's contact with leicester it seems to be happening it feels like it's a question of when and not if for Steve Borthwick. But yeah, he he really is not someone who courts uh, the press. I think he was stung by his time as England captain and the media focus and scrutiny that came with that. And I think he just trusts in himself, the people he surrounds himself by. He's going to work his staff hard. I've heard testimonies from people who've worked alongside him or been involved in the Leicester camp that he doesn't let up. There's a bit of Eddie Jones in him from that point of view. Um, but certainly in terms of his... His personality, his characteristics, as you say, Joe, his substance. Um, yeah, he's quite a reputable guy, Steve Borthwick, and anyone who knows him well speaks very, very highly of him. Is it a bit early at 43? Maybe, but he's he's won a title. He's he's coached in Japan. He's coached with England. Um, it might be a year or two too soon, but I mm. think England are ready probably for an English coach who's who's done it the hard way rather than just go, right, who's 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 you know, reach the, the World Cup final, you know, say Jamie Joseph does the job with Japan. Oh, let's get Jamie Joseph in or Warren Gatlin. Oh, let's get Gatlin or Scott Robertson or Steve Hansen, whatever. I think English rugby have done that with Eddie Jones. It worked up to a point. It brought some great, great highs. But now it probably is time for them to look at what they've got close to home and go, look, that's a guy who's won his stripes as a player, but more importantly, won his stripes as a, as a coach, gone through the England system, now's ready for the step up. Yeah. Man, it's so interesting, so funny. I mean, we spend all this time, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, where everything's World Cup focused, everything's about the World Cup, prepare for the World Cup. I know. Now listen, now we're going to be saying, well, look, we're giving Borthwick a World Cup to get ready for the next World Cup. <laughs> but uh, this is the thing, this is what happens if you look too far ahead. If you always, like, I feel, obviously you feel for, for Wayne Pivak and Eddie Jones, you never want to see anyone use their job. But I remember Wayne Pivak was talking a couple of weeks ago about building a squad for 2027, mm. as well as 2023. And you're like, Man, I'd focus on Georgia first, and I know that you can do. Th I know you can do both. I'm not trying to be like to, to be facetious. It's just uh, I, you know, Eddie Jones was talking about this World Cup too early in the cycle. Yeah, you know, he he had he, he did a Six Nations squad announcement when he went. First thing he said, "This is our fifth last camp before the World Cup," and you just think. I don't know, it's the Six Nations, first and foremost. Is that sending the right message to his players? So I wonder if this might just lead to a little bit of a recalibration amongst coaches and unions just to go, do you know what, if we if we slightly take for granted the here and now, then we might not even get to the final destination. Very last quick one, if you could, Chris. Uh, I know what style Scott Robertson or Ron Nagara would have brought. It would have been free-flowing, exciting, passing, running rugby. What will Borthwick uh, bring, do we think? Well, this is a really important question, Joe, because... It is not on the evidence of what he's done at Leicester going to be any of those things. That might be because he's got he had at Leicester George Ford and Ben Youngs and Richard Wigglesworth and a big forward pack, but he's not going to play loads of rugby. 
100%. It's not going to be fast and, and furious. If it's a straight shootout between Owen Farrell and Marcus Smith, the gut instinct would say that Owen Farrell will win that one. That's where if he surrounds himself by assistant coaches and really empowers them, there was always the accusation leveled against Eddie Jones. And it's been corroborated by those in camp. The assistant coaches were more conduits and Eddie Jones ran everything. Borthwick would have to do things differently. And maybe one of his biggest appointments would be to get a, an attack coach in to really make sure that he, he can see a, you know, a way of playing that isn't just focused on the way he played at Saracens, the way he's coached at Leicester. And he'll have a philosophy. And we, we've lamented the fact that Eddie Jones's team has lacked an identity for three years. Mm. England fans, though, expecting them to play like Fiji, I'm not so sure. But, you know, certainly he'll, he'll have his ideas. And it'll be interesting to see if he adds coaches around him who could just slightly you know, add a layer or two onto his existing coaching identity and philosophy. Okay. May you live in interesting times and all that. Chris, brilliant. Yeah, exciting few days. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Thanks so much. much. Thanks for me on. Chris Jones, Cheers. always great to have him on from uh, the BBC. He is their rugby union correspondent. Our rugby coverage as ever with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Rugby on Off The Ball With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team We all belong to the team of us